1: hello welcome to another episode of get found get funded this is Zena island today our topic is community how do i grow my network and connections we're speaking with Vindu. the Vindu platform is known as a seller's best friend vendu allows you to easily cross post and sell items on multiple pl- marketplaces it is a platform that allows users to fill out sales details once and then post in multiple marketplaces. Vindu currently has a functioning prototype listing onto all three marketplaces, eBay, Etsy, and Poshmark, and easily manage them from one place. At the moment they have finished the staging process and now in production, onboarding new clients for testing. They are currently bootstrapping and looking to raise $250,000. The company URL, in case you're interested in donating, vendu.co.
2: Hi, this is Aurelia. We're here with two founders of Vendu. Thomas Rivas is the founder and CEO. He's a native of D.C. and a University of Maryland alum who graduated with a double major in marketing and international business. He also has a technical background, having learned to code after graduating college. His experience includes being a marketing manager and junior developer in different startups. He's been selling online for over seven years, which led him to create Vendu, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Josh Jeem Assasan is a co-founder of Vendu and part of the marketing team. He has been a full-time reseller for over 12 years, beginning when he opened a physical sneaker store at the age of 20, impressive, while he was in college studying business management. For the past 10 years, he has focused on online reselling, which allowed him to gain the valuable knowledge and experiences that he brings to the Vendue team. In addition to reselling, he acts as a celebrity wardrobe stylist woo, and image consultant for numerous professional
3: athletes and musicians. Our guest expert is Seifer Grisham, Vice President of SeedSpot Communities. As a social entrepreneur, investor, and advisor to companies, Sefer has started and supported hundreds of businesses globally. As the Vice President of Communities at SeedSpot, Seifer leads the charge in bringing SeedSpot's impact to communities across the U.S. In this role, he works with city and state governments, family offices, and venture firms to increase the, the startup activity and economic growth in their respective cities. He previously served as the Phoenix Director of Entrepreneur Initiatives, where he designed and ran all accelerator programming and aided companies in raising capital. Sefer is the co-founder of Swilling's Coffee, a direct trade Colombian coffee company supporting smallholder farms and employing individuals in rural Colombia. He serves on the advisory board of several organizations including the first co-working space in Afghanistan, the King's College Incubator in Nepal, and on Ava School Solutions. He is also an adjunct professor at the University of Maryland teaching social enterprise. His work internationally has been recognized by U.S. Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton in the Congressional Record. SeedSpot is an organization on a mission to educate, accelerate, and invest in entrepreneurs who are creating solutions to social problems. They are a 501 nonprofit dedicated to supporting all social entrepreneurs creating a product, service, or technology that improves lives or makes the world a better place. They support entrepreneurs by surrounding them with the right access to resources, mentors, business fundamentals, community partners, capital sources, and anything they need to succeed. SeedSpot has been recognized as a top three incubator for social enterprise in the U.S. by UBI and Cisco. Also a top 20 global accelerator by Gust and Fundacity. And in 2016, they received an Emmy for... Bendeme to Sueño, a partnership with Univision encouraging more Latino founders. Welcome to you all. We're glad to have you in the studio.
0: Thanks for having us. Excited to be here.
1: Great, great. Say that one more time, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> you would like to practice? That? No hables espanol. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, tell us how you came up with the idea of Vendu.
4: Sure. so... um. In high school, I would be selling sneakers, mostly on eBay, and um, I took a break from selling and back in college when I needed money, I decided to start selling again. And However, things had changed when I started selling again. Uh, more marketplaces had popped up, and the process was just taking much longer as you had to fill out more information on multiple marketplaces, and I found that most of the questions were similar on all these marketplaces, so... I looked for a solution to see how it would be easy to post on all these marketplaces, and all I found were enterprise solutions, nothing for the smaller seller, and that's how uh, Vendoo was born. That's where, where the idea came from.
2: Let's talk about the demographics of these sellers online. Um, really curious to find out, I mean, obviously, Thomas, you came up with this from your own experience, but who else is selling online out there?
0: Um, so something that's really cool is that... Um, Selling is starting to become a really popular uh, secondary source of income for a lot of families. Um, Just because it's so easy, it's fundamentally easy. You can go buy something for cheap and sell it for more on the Internet, as we all know. Um, But because it's becoming common, um, our demographic kind of ranges. So we have a lot of full-time sellers who have been doing this for years. So they sell thousands of items a month. A lot of them buy wholesale or buy in bulk and have uh, pretty strong uh, systems set up on either eBay or Amazon or whatever platform they choose to sell on the most. And they have routines of people working for them. They have photographers, they have people that just do their listing. So we, we, uh, when we started Vendo, we really wanted to cater to these full-time sellers. But in the process of studying them, we realized that there's so many part-time and casual sellers also that we also need to cater to. So the part-time sellers are people who might just go to a thrift store on the weekend, and uh, buy a few items and put them up on eBay just to make a few extra $100 a month. So we um, put a lot of things in Vendu that can help those part-time sellers kind of scale their business up and make it bigger because most of them want to eventually start selling full-time, selling more as they see that they're making money so easily.
2: So if I'm thinking about this from kind of a big picture, I'm thinking about this as kind of the modern um, flea market, if you will, Right. And I know, right. well, at least for me, a lot of our families like would sell things, would buy things and then resell them. Right. Like um, even my son did that when he was younger too, like just kind of buying Mexican candies and then taking them to his classroom and reselling them. Do you have more demographic information on people who are selling online, like kind of the income levels or the age ranges or even genders, any of that kind of Definitely.
0: information? So um, the majority of our our full time sellers are usually in the range of about. 35 to 40 in that range like th- in the 30s and 40s um families a few a few young children and um they've been able to kind of turn it into a family business a family mm-hmm. operation um a lot of the part-time sellers are for the most part either young professionals or college students or people who just need additional income on the side um but the demographics is are, start, are starting to range so much just because, because people are realizing that it's a popular, easy kind of source of income. Um, and that's pretty much where we are now.
3: How, how did you come up with the name Vendu?
0: Sure. So um,
4: I came up with the idea of Vendu just because I was studying French at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, Vendu means sold in French. And I looked up that um, the URL, the domain, and it was actually taken by um, by eBay, uh, vendu v e n d u. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to just uh, change the name up a little bit and add two L's instead of the U, and that domain wasn't taken. So that's pretty much where the idea of vendu comes from, where that's the name vendu
3: comes. That's from. great. Um, and for your team, it seems like it seems like you guys have worked together for a while. How have you? Um, how did you find each other, and how did you find the team?
4: Sure. So um, first, it was just me, and then I found. Um, Ben Martinez who was also uh, marketing. I knew him since uh, elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um we used to play soccer on the same team since we were like ten.
3: Was it a winning team? Yes. Just <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> State champions. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Part of the winning <laughs> um
4: and then uh Josh, I've known him uh for a w well I haven't known him for a while for a while, but like I used to go to his physical store and also mm-hmm. bought stuff from him online and I thought he was he would be a great addition to the team, so we reached out to him. And as for our developers, um, Chris, our front end developer, is um, in the same fr- fraternity mm-hmm. as as Ben. And our back end developer, we just met him at a meetup and he oh, fell in love good. with the idea. So.
1: That's great. So, just to give us some context, I have a question. Um, I have a friend who sells designer purses online all the time. So, what you're telling me is she'll go get this designer purse probably at a thrift store and then post it and put it online and she sells like she'll she'll it's like a, maybe a $2000 designer purse and she'll sell it for a half off. So how, how how would she use your platform?
0: Okay, so um basically what she would do is normally her her current process is probably that she would buy the purse. If she wants to list it on eBay, she has to fill out all of the details, so she takes the pictures, she uploads a description of the size and color and condition and all those type of details that the marketplace asks for. Um, once, she's finished, once she finishes doing all of that, she uploads it to eBay, but then when she goes to the next platform, which might be Poshmark, she does the same repetitive information over and over again. She goes to Amazon or wherever else she chooses to post and has to keep typing in that same information. So what we did was we created a form that compiles all of the questions and details that each of those marketplaces needs. so you just have to fill out the form one time. Um, Once you get to the bottom of that form, you save and submit, and it puts it on all three of those platforms for you. And in addition to that, while your item is live, you can kind of monitor what's happening on each platform. Um, If your item sells, you don't have to go manually take it down off the other platforms. Vendu will delist it for you. If it sells on eBay, it'll take it down off the other two. So it just basically makes the process convenient to manage um, your listing across the different platforms, and that's just with one bag. So imagine the sellers that have 1,000 items or 10,000 items, and they have to manually enter that uh, listing for each one. It's just time-consuming and repetitive. So we basically simplified that time so they can have their time back and then maximize the amount of items that they can list and manage at once.
4: Yeah, our our goal is pretty much to save sellers time and make them more money, and that's kind of what we... That's our goal on when we work on Bendu, just to always think about that.
3: And so, you currently have a functioning prototype, and congratulations <coughs> on that, and having that uh, iteration one. Um, what was the what was surprisingly easy or surprisingly hard about that process and getting to where you are today?
4: Uh, surprisingly difficult. Uh, there's been <laughs> so many things, but <laughs> I'm gonna probably focus on two things, which are mostly uh, on the technical aspect. Um, one is we have limited um, man hours; um, we're bootstrapping, so it's kind of been like. You know, you have to launch an MVP, and it's kind of been hard because we have, like, such great ideas that we want to do, but we have to really choose, like, what features we want to include in this MVP, what's, like, invaluable, like, to help save sellers time and make them more money. Um, and it's just, you know, choosing what features to include and which ones to leave out um, and work on later. And also just um, when you hear about, like, vendo you know, posting onto three marketplaces, it sounds... Fairly simple to build, but the technology behind it is just is actually like pretty complex because um, each marketplace has, you know, th- th- different logic, different terminology. So it's just you know trying to combine all that and make it easy and simple to use has been definitely um, more difficult than we expected, but fa- finally there. <laughs>
3: yeah, oftentimes the simpler it is for the user experience, the harder it is to develop. So.
4: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And um as far as um what's been easy to complete, I wouldn't say easy, but um I think it's been the easiest for us is really been like um our customer base. Uh we studied them from like Instagram to kind of really learn like uh how they list and all that. And then um since they're on Instagram, you know, it's it's fairly open. The community's really really open. Um so we've been able to study influencers mm-hmm. and then we actually started going to meetups and conferences And um, they've been great, you know. Um, They love that we're there. Uh, They love that we're building something for them. And, um, you know, they always show support. Um, Everything has been, all the growth has been organic. We haven't had to pay for any ads, uh, any shout-outs. It's all been organic. So that's been, um, I would say, probably the easiest part of this.
1: Are most most of those meetups and conferences local or the uh, national no
4: we've definitely flown out uh, we drove to Chicago for a meetup um fl- flown out to San Francisco flown out to Portland but it's uh it's definitely been worth it because there's nothing like actually getting to know your user and actually you know building an actual relationship with them because you know once once there's competitors you know having been like you know having shared a beer like having had a beer with with a founder of the company, that's really what's gonna make the Mm -hmm. difference. That's
1: true, it definitely do. Those networks and connections are so important. Um, So why are you so focused on broadening your network and connections to grow your company? And you you kinda talked about it a little bit just a minute ago, can you give us some more information on that?
4: Yeah, so um, definitely uh, I think having a great network is um, almost as important as having like a great team in the beginning just because it's um, really like the little things that count in the beginning. such as uh you know if you need talent if you need developers um for example right now my network isn't that great having just been been out of college compared to somebody that's you know been in the field for 10 plus years so i have to go to all these meetups which is you know time that i could be using um working on vendu so it's just um instead of somebody who's already been in the in the startup community for like 10 years you know you can just text somebody and find a developer as also, when it comes to, like, raising money, it's been fairly difficult. Um, you know, I don't have that, ma- that many connections, so I have to, again, like, go out and network and try to find investors and all that stuff. So it's just, um, you know, it helps you save time and helps you make more money, which are, in the beginning for a startup, are both very essential. So
1: you know, I just had a conversation with Dr. Roshanna Novella. She was on our show. Um, actually, the second person on our show. And we were having that same exact conversation last week um, about the coffee meetings and flying everywhere where you can, you know. And then she feels as if it, it's kept her from doing the things that she loves, which is online. She just, you should go check her out. She actually put up a page out of the blue where she talked about uh, raising funding. And uh, she sent a uh email on um, linkedin she just dm'd every uh uh, her connections and she raised funding funding so i said "Wow, i thought that was a really clever idea and she says to me well that's what i've normally done before but i've been so busy going to conferences and meetups and and um meeting all these different people i feel like it's taking me away from the thing i love to do is that how you feel
0: um so to add to that i think um a lot of times in corporate and professional situations whether you think it's a good or bad thing um a lot of times who you know is more important than what you know um and a lot of companies with amazing ideas or or incredible solutions to problems might not have the resources to get in touch with the person they need to get in touch with to scale their business or to find um they might not have access to uh, good lawyers at the beginning or different things that they might need to help grow their brand and um when you expand your network, you can kind of tap into other people's relationships and other people's um, resources that you can kind of tie in and, and put back into what you're building when you don't have them at the beginning.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any question that social capital is real and that it's really valuable, and a lot of us. Well, I'm speaking for myself. Did not have it, you know. When you're younger, you're starting out. Particularly if your family didn't have it, or if you're, you know, you didn't, you weren't born into a network where there's a lot of people who have those connections, um, or maybe even know to to tell you what to do or what not to do. There's there's a lot of those pieces there that are missing for different kinds of entrepreneurs. Um, I know that we've spoken about. you know kind of having hashtag more voices in this realm and I know Natalia Bertino Guerra who is founder of Pipeline Angels talks about the fact that for a lot of entrepreneurs they can't go to the friends and family round because they don't have those friends and family that can write them the 10,000 the 25,000 the 100,000 dollar checks or nor do they have those networks so I think it's really important that we're kind of talking about that today so sefer you've grown multiple businesses and helped others do the same and obviously SeedSpot is in the business of helping people build those social connections and really help them build their social enterprise. Talk to us about how you think those networks, connections, and social capital work in an entrepreneur's life.
5: Yeah, as the saying goes, your network is your net worth. Um, Connections support founders in a variety of different roles. Um, They can be mentors, advisory board members, uh, investors, connections to other investors, and sometimes just a personal friend for you to lean on. And being a founder can be super lonely and having that uh, personal connection, having individuals who are the wind in your sails ultimately lead you to be, uh, to be more successful. Um, one tip that I always like to give founders is take time to understand your needs first and focus on, on those needs and then go out and search for individuals within your network that can help or individuals outside of your network that can help there's a you know opportunity cost for everything you do as a founder i think we heard this from Vindu having to fly to san francisco drive to chicago and that is a huge piece of of starting a company of weighing what where should you be spending your time so spend your time at the places making the connections with the people that matter the most that are going to help fulfill the needs that you have
3: see for in, in your career did you ever join an accelerator and if so how, or something like it how did that help your journey
5: i wish i had joined an accelerator uh, so not exactly mm-hmm. i had to take a really homegrown approach mm-hmm. so when i started uh, working in the startup world uh, being inspired by innovators entrepreneurs and starting uh, different companies myself it was at the dawn of when accelerators mm-hmm. were there if we take a step back and really think about when accelerators came to be mm-hmm. Y Combinator started in 2005 Techstars started in 2006 um, 500 startups started in 2010 mm-hmm. Seedspot we started in 2012 and so it really has been a progression and most of the startup, startup accelerators one were focused later stage uh, they were they're really focused on taking equity and you know having some proof of concept already out there, potentially a prototype. That's not very accessible to all entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. let alone having to relocate generally to either the Bay Area, New York, Boston, or a major hub. Mm-hmm. Do founders start there? That's a it's a question, and I can tell you from personal experience that I wasn't based in one of the cities where the big acceler- accelerators were, so I had to build it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, i i found mentors i knocked on doors i found individuals based on where i felt i needed to find a find a personal support mm-hmm. um, find a mentor find potentially an advisor um, but then i went and got my mba to help grow my network i saw that as a huge opportunity especially because i work uh, predominantly internationally mm-hmm. to grow my network internationally so i went to thunderbird school for global management and of all places, Glendale, Arizona, to get uh, international exposure. Beyond that, I had to take a ton of networking trips. Um, I flew to San Francisco. I took one trip to Singapore to network with venture capital firms out there. But honestly, I hacked it together, and it took a ton of time. Um, And this is where I think accelerators can bring, accelerators and incubators can bring a ton of value to founders because they actually break down a lot of the the silos that we tend to operate in professionally or uh, and bridge gaps where founders potentially have
3: yeah, and it's so exciting to see so many accelerators you know popping up not just in major cities but you know across uh, rural areas across the u.s as well so tell us a little bit about your amazing female ceo courtney klein and her vision for Seedspot and really how SeedSpot's looking to support the idea of building a network and all the things you just talked about that you were able to hack your way through, but some of the founders today may not be able to.
5: Yeah, definitely. So Courtney is an incredible founder. Um, she's a serial social entrepreneur, started her first company right out of ASU while she was a senior, um, got some of her initial seed funding from a university, from ASU, mm-hmm. Was had access to incredible mentors, actually president of ASU at the time. Um, through through a university connection, and she really saw that that was uh, what led to her uh, eventual success, founding her first nonprofit, New Global Citizens. As she continued to support and start more companies and work with founders, she saw a need for a structured way to surround entrepreneurs with the support that she received while ha- you know she had access to a great network being at ASU, but not all founders have that, so. You know, identifying that need in Arizona uh, was something that she knew was needed uh, for surrounding entrepreneurs with the support. And then also not only in Arizona, but in other communities like Arizona, like Washington, D.C., like Tampa, like Santa Barbara, like Boise, Idaho, Mm -hmm. like uh, Philly in Pennsylvania. But I want to take a step back and kind of talk about some of the bigger statistics that we see in entrepreneurship around the world and specifically here in the U.S., so since 1977, entrepreneurship is down
3: 48%,
5: and that's according to the Kauffman Foundation annual startup index. In addition, we know that opportunity is not equal, especially for minority and female founders. We can look at the where venture capital dollars are actually deployed, and that's largely true. Um, but that, it's, it's a bigger issue than that, because not all companies need to take venture capital dollars. Right. At the same time, globally, we see uh, a growing need um, to solve really global problems that manifest themselves locally. Uh, For example, uh, creating equal access to quality education. That's a huge need we see in communities. Um, Making sure that nobody is in poverty or enabling companies and entrepreneurs to solve locally manifested uh, climate change in action. I talked with one entrepreneur who grew up in rural Alaska and saw a glacier over the course of her lifetime lose half its mass, and she was inspired to take action and work in climate and mitigating climate change because of that personal experience. And those are the entrepreneurs that we work with at Seedspot, the individuals who have had lived experiences that believe in making a positive change in their community, in the similar way that Vindu, Vindu is. You all saw a need for sellers to, to have more time and flexibility and to grow, to grow their economic base so that they can make a positive impact, spend the time impacting their local community. And that's who we believe that we can really affect at SeedSpot.
2: Let's, let's talk a little bit about what you, what you mentioned, because I think um... – I think these pieces are important. You talked about using university connections, which I think is important. And I know, Thomas, you've, you've talked about doing that yourself too, right? Kind of really leveraging the different connections, the different alumni networks that are there, which I think is really important for entrepreneurs to do. Um, and then somehow getting those um, introductions to power players, right? Whether it might be the president of a university or something else. And those tend to be the trickier Bridges to build perhaps if you don't already have an introduction um, Do you want to share something perhaps from your background of how you managed to bridge that gap or how you managed to get that introduction or Did you just kind of you know bug them long enough that somebody answered you or what What, what did you do to kind of have some of that um, That bridge built.
5: Yeah, that's a that's a great question and It's about making opportunity for yourself and knowing the individuals that and organizations that can help help you bridge those gaps, and so you know, for me personally, it was knowing which which MBA program was going to help me break into in, more into international business. I think for startups, uh, it's really uh, really important to to take advantage of incubators and accelerators. Um, So there is a Global Accelerator Learning Initiative. Um, They study the effects of acceleration on startups, and they know that for every dollar invested into an accelerator, a founder gets $2 of value out of it. That's an incredible return on investment there. And so at SeedSpot, we really take it into a a realm of personal, um, really personal, like connections. So we work with mentors, content experts through a variety of our programs. Um, the two programs we run, 2-Day Launch Camp and our 8-Week Impact Accelerator, are focused on bridging those gaps. So we have structured ways to bring in top-tier mentors at the right time to, for the entrepreneur's needs. So we have someone on our team that is constantly asking our entrepreneurs, hey, what do you need?" What are, your, what are your biggest obstacles that you're facing this week, this month, this year? And then we go find mentors that have that. We have the ability as an organization and support of great founders and supporters and partnerships to bring in some really top-tier talent.
1: So... I love how you talk about bridging and um, bringing in mentors to help you. So what is your application process? I'm curious to know how does someone apply to be a part of this program?
5: That's a great question. So our main program is the Impact Accelerator, and this is an eight-week program culminates in a demo day, both a investor pitch night, but then also a community-wide demo day that really puts the wind in the sails because we know connections are not just investors, but the broad community to build uh, to build the support and the, the traction momentum behind a, behind a founder. So in order to get into that program, it's a two-step process. One, it's an online application, and then we have a screening process there. Uh, and then it's a actual interview process. But the interview is not just with the SeedSpot team. We leverage our mentors, our content experts, and most importantly, our alumni that are building in the network to make sure that the, the founders you know, meet the ethos that we have established and are aligned with the SeedSpot core values. Um, generally, I guess I'd say we look for drive, grit, determination, and coachability of a founder and being willing to pivot and change direction, falling in love with the problem that they're solving, not their solution.
1: Christina and I are fighting for the mic right now because we're sharing, so she, she's burning with questions, so let me get mine out. So how many applications do you receive uh, for whenever you have a, a, and how many times do you open per year for
5: applications? Yeah, so it, it depends, um, and it, it's a great question. So we run programs, we run these impact accelerators in communities across the U.S., and the reason why we do that is because we know that each founder, regardless of where they're based, should have equal access to participating in an accelerator program. So traditionally, we've run programs in Phoenix, Washington, D.C. We have several more on the horizon um, to to give access to founders where they're based. Um, So for each program, it ranges several hundred applications generally um, per eight-week Impact Accelerator. Now, I'd be remiss in saying that What do we do with all the, typically it's around 15 to 20 entrepreneurs come into each accelerator. So what happens to the 80 odd individuals who weren't accepted into that accelerator? Well, we don't feel like that it's fair just to leave them hanging. And so we actually run two-day launch camps for all of our entrepreneurs. That actually doesn't, it has a registration process. And we do a quick screen to make sure that we're the right fit for where they are, that they're not too late that they're just starting out, that they, that they can really benefit from the support that we offer. Because, you know, we know that we can coach and help improve uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial self-efficacy, resiliency, in order to make sure that they do have access to that eight-week impact accelerator when they're ready.
3: I I think the work that you all are doing is is amazing and it really takes a community to support these entrepreneurs as they are going through that growth period, whether they're a startup or a more mature company that's pushing. Um and I think as you know, I spent twelve years at Booz Allen Hamilton and I was really thrilled to see that Booz Allen is one of your sponsors here in the DC area. Can you talk a little bit about the role that sponsors play, not only in funding your program, but like you mentioned. You know getting access to top tier mentors or advisors um how often are they you know let's talk a little bit more about that relationship and how important that is for Seedspot.
5: definitely so i want to start with why they're really important mm-hmm. right they're, it's for our entrepreneurs our partnerships our sponsors everything we do we run through the lens of how is this going to help benefit the entrepreneurs we work with and so partnerships are the lifeblood of it it brings in the content experts brings in the mentors. It brings in the general community members that are interested in maybe trying their hand at entrepreneurship. Maybe they've seen a problem in their community or where they grew up, that they are going to feel passionate enough to solve that problem through a scalable solution. Um, specifically with Booz Allen, it's been an extraordinary partnership. We've loved working with them. Uh, let's just like let me just tell you a quick story about a, a founder that we actually worked with. Um, Janice Omadeki, founder of the mentor method, complete rock star. Not she yet. demonstrated all of the like the qualities that we look for in a founder. She was humble, mm-hmm. she demonstrated true grit, and she came into the program and said, like, hey, I want to learn and I wanna bridge as many connections and get as many connections as I can. Well, so with our partnership with Booz Allen. You know, Janice is starting the Mentor Method, which is helping individuals from all backgrounds gain access to uh, career growth and mentors, regardless of who they are. Mm-hmm. And one of her major clients and target client base is going is corporates, corporate, uh, you know, consulting firms, large, just generally large corporations. And so, with our partnership with Booz Allen, she had a direct line in to some of the top senior leaders to understand what are their buying needs? Mm -hmm. What are they struggling with uh, when attracting talent? And so she was paired with a mentor through our accelerator program to actually work with them and and be mentored by individuals at Booz Allen. Eventually at the end of the accelerator program, she actually landed uh, her first client Mm -hmm. um, that enabled her to continue to scale and grow and just This past past winter, she was speaking at the State of Entrepreneurship by the Kauffman Foundation. And those are the connections that all accelerators uh, can bring. Um, And the dedication to helping the entrepreneur. Um, If you find a program that really believes, really believes that they're doing everything for the entrepreneur, they're not doing it for their own self-interest. They're doing it to help an entrepreneur grow that's when you'll find really unique partnerships and sponsorship opportunities.
3: I think that's a great story. And we also had Janice Omedeki on the show here talking about uh, the mentor method. And she's grown, such, she's grown a lot since she was in your program, and it hasn't even been that long. So thank you for helping her and all the uh, entrepreneurs that you help. So let's talk a little bit about the partnerships that you just mentioned. Um, we talked about the corporate, uh, partnerships, but what about partnerships that you see that entrepreneurs in the program, um, make, you know, have you seen any, uh, companies merge, startups merge together? Have you seen any interesting stories around that?
5: Yeah. So we've seen quite a few things happen, uh, through our programs. One of the biggest pieces is actually the, how, how entrepreneurs going through a cohort, they're, they're at similar stages, they're facing similar problems, uh, Sometimes they're in some similar industries, or they're not in similar industries, but they're going through the same personal experience, and that shared experience really bonds them together, and they support one another. Um, you know, we've uh, we've seen entrepreneurs uh, actually pitch each other. We had oh, in 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 a program we ran in Tampa, there is uh, two founders that participated, and. Of the fifteen that participated in this this two-day launch camp in Tampa, um, one individual was starting uh, Impact Reality, which is utilizing virtual reality to help foundations and nonprofits better tell their story, so their donors can connect with the work they actually do in the field. Another individual, Damon, uh, it was formally incarcerated and saw his like he was didn't have the resources he need to to become well adjusted afterlife um, in prison and so he started ink to ink well for a variety of different reasons he wasn't actually able to present at the the final pitch night and uh, the founder brett of impact reality actually had damon come up and impact reality demonstrated the work that that damon was having on ink to ink in his pitch Mm -hmm. so it was two founders coming together working in tangential like seemingly almost unrelated industries, but they found a way to support one another just in the pitch and educating the general community in Tampa about that.
2: So you've said a couple different times that founders need to demonstrate drive, grit, determination, passion. How does Thomas or Josh, when they're meeting somebody for the first time, in your estimation, demonstrate that? And particularly to somebody who might be you know, an opener of networks, or somebody who could make an introduction. What do you look for when you're interviewing folks, either formally or informally?
5: It's a great question. I think a few things that really stood out to me about Vindu. Um, one, you all have lived it. Like you have been the seller. You have you have you have seen the problem firsthand, and you've seen the problem recur over and over and over again. And how many times it has taken you to. You know, how many hours it's taking you to list one, one item across multiple different platforms and so sharing that experience that you're not coming at it from a oh this is a bright shiny idea that i have that I, I i think that it exists out there but that lived experience demonstrates that you understand and have direct exposure to the problem of who your customers actually have so that's kind of first thing that really really would look at the second thing is demonstrating that you've been able to uh go all in on the idea um, and really share it's like yes when i was in san francisco when i was in chicago when i you know took an overnight trip uh drove all night to make that one meetup group because i knew that there was going to be a a connection a potential client a potential seller there that's huge i can think of one one founder that we worked with um, that recently uh, received six hundred thousand from Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. Um, Mackenzie Marsliff, founder of Delighted by, she's a uh, you know, self-proclaimed health nut. She created a uh, dessert hummus that is delicious. I'm I'm not kidding you. Dessert hummus, <laughs> it's uh, like. Brownie batter, cookie dough—it's incredible. They sell it I at Wegmans. The f- oh, they
1: do. Oh yeah, it, Whole Foods, Wegmans. Do you, what's the name of it again? Delighted. By it, it is
5: okay. And she's just—she saw this as an issue because she was going to a, a Super Bowl party, and she was tasked with bringing dessert. And she was like, "Wait, but we just—we're eating such crap at Super Bowl parties, right? Always crap. Always. <laughs> what can I make something healthy that people are that are that is just as delicious that people are going to enjoy just as much?" And so she threw some stuff together, created Delighted by Hummus. Well, what demonstrated her grit and determination is almost, it's similar to the story of of Vendu's. When she was making her first uh, distributions to Wegmans up and down the East Coast, she rented a U-Haul. Her packager was up in the Northeast, and it was a climate-controlled U-Haul, and she drove up and down the east coast making the first deliveries she slept in that van that's how dedicated she was to to this idea and i think similarly with vendu you can you've demonstrated that and continue just to to show that you're all in
1: i'm gonna jump in and talk about pr a little bit but before i do um Vendu, do you have any stories you can like to share? Uh, something similar of, like what he just told that you've been through so far? Because those are some of the stories you can use to help uh, elevate your PR and um, talk about, so we can <clears throat> talk about Vendu.
0: Um, definitely will. I mean, like we mentioned before, even flying to San Francisco um, to meet sellers that we were just friends with on the internet. So we had built relationships with people just through direct messages and comments and things like that. And then For them to have an event and we show up them knowing that we're based in the DC area kind of meant so much to that seller community just in the uh, Southern California area that they it was just very endearing to them to see like oh they really like want to get out here and see what we're saying and talk to us and shake our hands and things like that and I think um that's kind of what's become the staple thing that's, like, making everybody so loyal and, and wanting them to f- – they kind of feel included in the product and they feel like they're building it with us because we've been there and seen them face-to-face and shown them what we're working on at every single stage of the process and asked for their feedback multiple times, and we kind of tailor it around the information that they give us. And um, the fact that I think we've included the community so well has kind of given us an advantage. Um, and it, and
1: how are you – I know you said you've included in community. Is that on – Instagram, or how how are you doing that and demonstrating
0: it? The majority of our our reach right now is on Instagram, Um, but we use all the other social platforms like Facebook and Reddit and Twitter and things like that to pay attention to other pockets of sellers um, just to see what the trends are in the seller community, to see um, new advancements, to make sure we know what other marketplaces are implementing and adding to Um, Just stay in tune with sellers pain points so that we make sure that we can kind of contribute a solution to those in our prototype. So um, Instagram, for the most part, is the way that we communicate directly with most of our uh, our followers. But the all the other social networks in general have kind of given us information and given us a foundation for kind of what we're building from.
1: Thomas, did you want to add something?
0: Yeah, also, I just wanted to add that um,
4: we're also, uh, we also, like, hold events. We've gone to so many events that we've decided to actually hold our own event. We called it a, a vendor Listing Party. Um, we use it to pretty much, um, like like everything that we focus on, is to help s- uh, sellers save time and make them more money. And we had two influencers actually um, come out and kind of give a, um, tips on how to sell better, and uh, we actually sold out of our first event, which was of sixty tickets. Um, we sold, out. and one lady actually even came down from New York to to attend the event. So that felt. I mean, I mean, it feels great to have somebody. You know, that actually, you know, that's um brand loyalty. You know, so it's it's great to to have that.
1: <laughs> that's great. Do you have any good examples you want to share, Seifer?
5: So uh, a few different things on PR that I, I really want to hit on for founders. Uh, first, like as a startup, you have limited resources. We've been over this. We know there's this opportunity cost. So how do you make the best and highest use of your time of creating community? Um, and that and PR can be a huge, huge help, specifically if you understand who your customers are, understand what they read, where they read it. So if you're selling B2B, you know, maybe getting that Washington Post article doesn't matter that much. But if you're, you know, working with local municipalities, maybe being listed in Governing Magazine is going to be the best place to, to be, uh, or it features online where, where your target customers are. Uh, it also builds credibility. Um, you know, in DC, SeedSpot, we work specifically with DC DCNO and technically quite often because we know that builds credibility for our founders it has their first their first uh news article oftentimes they're covered and now they have some traction they have some some validation that hey i'm doing this i am actually like a real company and we're getting our name out there and we have we have a story to tell
1: I know one thing about DCNO and I have to share this story. Whenever I go to pitch them about, and I pitched to them a, a lot of black and brown founders and they don't take all of my stories, but they will take some of them. So I agree with you about the good partnership with DCNO.
5: Yeah, DCNO, uh, DCNO and technically have been really incredible just partners. Um, and it's we don't have a formal partnership, but they're looking to cover the news and, and what's happening in the D.C. market and the greater D.C. D.M.V. area, up to Baltimore, down to Richmond, and it really raises awareness. And there, there are investors that read that every single day. Mm. That they look at the D.C. You know that comes out at you know 5 p.m. every day, and it's like, okay, cool. What are the new funding rounds? Who got funded? You know, what are the the first look is my, one of my favorite things to see. Mm-hmm. Who are the founders? Who are yeah. like, what are they doing? What are they what, what are they working on? And also, I will say that I know technically has they're really passionate. Um, some of the the, uh, the writers there about covering entrepreneurs of all backgrounds and giving equal access to, to opportunity for them. So, okay, so
1: I need some names because my people went away. <laughs> they, they were I got stolen. you. I got they were you. Stolen by somebody yep. else. So I need, I need some uh, new, uh, new names in my. Help us <laughs> build a network. Help, yeah. help build my network, my, my, my PR network.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've talked on this show before about. Um, Certainly about how to focus your time and your resources because it is really hard for founders and new entrepreneurs and you've got so many things pulling on your time for sure. Um, Let's talk a little bit about marketing and social media in particular because you guys have done it so well, right? I mean, that is one place that you really have shown you've you've got this instagram following you've used it for market research you've kind of used it to meet and build relationships to build the network itself tell us a little bit about um how you have used your online presence and then i also definitely before we end we want to have you make an ask if there is something that our listeners particularly can offer vendu what would you want them to do
0: sure so um i think one thing that's helped us on social media a lot is we've used our platforms to provide value to our community so um the first thing we did was we made sure that the sellers that we were targeting knew that we were one of them so we post about the stuff that they experience every day so since i'm a seller i package all my orders in the morning and i go to the post office so we would make sure that we document that process and let them see it Um, we would uh, we constantly give tips little hacks and tricks on ways to um minimize overhead costs or um hack the shipping process so it's a little bit cheaper or just different things that provide them value so that in the meantime while we're building and we don't have a finished product for them they're still getting something out of uh following us and being involved in our network so um Basically, being showing that we're one of them was the, the biggest part that kind of draws people to me because what happens is it helps it to grow organically because we might post a tip or something and people will tag a bunch of their friends or the interactions will be really good in the comments and it draws people to the page um, organically. And I think it helps the most just because I'm a seller full-time since doing this process. Now Thomas has started selling. Ben has also started selling. So... Um, Everything that I'm going through on a daily basis, we kind of relate to the sellers directly. And um, I think social media is more about building a narrative around your company. Um, when you can sell lifestyle, it's easy to sell a product. So we, we're involved in their lifestyle. We're involved in the same things they're involved in. So they already buy into our vision and they buy into what the company's trying to, to solve.
2: I just want to highlight something you said right now because I think this is so important in what you have done um, online on social media, but just in building networks generally, you said you provide value first so that people connect with you and that they'll come back. And I think that's kind of, certainly when people are talking to me about building a network and kind of, you know, really creating those connections with people that you might not otherwise know, that might be power players, that might be people who can provide potential partnerships for you or other kinds of introductions, you know, reaching out to people and providing value first and seeing if there's something you can do. And I think particularly, I know, Thomas, you've mentioned a couple of times being a young um, founder, somebody who doesn't have all of that expertise, you may not think you have a lot to offer. And I'm here to tell you as somebody with <coughs> some years of expertise um, that you definitely do, right? There's a lot that a young entrepreneur can bring to the table for somebody and and show value in that relationship, right? Just by kind of the networks you've already grown, the expertise you already have, the insight and the point of view that you, that you are coming to the space with. I think there's a lot of value there. And so obviously you're doing it brilliantly, you know, in your social media. So I'll just kind of highlight that both for you and for other folks listening that this is, kind of at the core of building really good networks, is going in and make, and, and giving first.
0: Um, so one thing that was kind of helpful for me, this is uh, my first startup that I've been involved in, but I've been in the entertainment industry and the fashion industry for a long time, and I was able to build a really powerful network on that side. So what I did was I started to use those relationships to benefit me in uh, this Vendu uh, situation by basically just reaching out to everyone that I know has a lot of access and influence um, professionally that I've met. Um, and just I give my pitch everywhere. I present the company to everyone. I don't know who knows who. I don't know who's willing to put a good word in for the company anywhere. So by doing that, I was able to sit down with, like, Gary Vee and different people who are. Um, who we want on
1: the show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just add sure. that right but, like, now. Gary I was able to sit down with
0: people that I didn't think I could get to um, just because of my lack of resources in the tech industry, but since I have resources other places, I just use those to benefit me here.
2: Yeah, and you've, you've built those relationships. You've built that network over time, yeah.
0: I
1: also applaud you about your storytelling. I think the storytelling is helping you to build your network as well. Um, it's very key and it's very important. Uh, and continue to do that and even by leading with the show talk about how you came up with the name I know Christina asked that question and I'm a Francophile by the way so I I immediately I was already interested in hearing more from you but it caught my attention I was like oh it's a French name oh I love that so you just don't know what those little those hot buttons are that will touch that person to listen to the you know the story and then continue to buy into your platform
3: so thank you all for just a great discussion it's my job to synthesize everything that we <laughs> talked about um, but before we end where can our listeners find you
0: okay so we're on instagram at vendoo.co v-e-n-d-o-o.co um, that's also our website um, our e- also if you want to uh, contact us directly
4: um, our team email is hello at so you can also reach us there
3: and, and Aurelia, you wanted them to do an ask for our listeners. What is the ask for our listeners?
4: Yeah, sure. So, um, well, this uh, podcast is kind of about network, and like I said, our network in the tech industry isn't as big um, as other people. So, definitely, um, just introductions. We don't. We just want to have introductions to either investors or accelerators, and uh, we'll we'll do the storytelling. We'll try to you know get in there, but we definitely just want introductions.
3: Who who's your ideal partner or partners?
4: Um any accelerator with um w- that has uh definitely had success. Um it's not so much about the money, it's also about like the little things that um accelerators have, such as connections like he was talking about, um and also the all the little uh perks they have, you know, the software. Mm-hmm. And all that. So,
3: so Thomas meets C, for C for <laughs> Glad
5: we could sit together.
0: Can I just ask C for a question real quick? Mm-hmm. So at the stage of the company that we're at, the stage of the process, um, we have five founders, but we're bootstrapping it. So we're paying all of our expenses out of our pocket. And um, since we're all adults and we're not living with our parents or anything, we have living expenses that we have to cover. So we have to delegate a certain num- number of hours per week to making sure our bills are paid by taking other projects other jobs other things um, when we do raise money is it important uh, first and foremost to pay ourselves something so we can cover those living expenses and be all in full-time or is it better to bring in help around the board whether it's development or other places how is, what's the best way to use that money at the beginning
5: that's a great question and it depends um, and so it, it really depends on the situations of the individual founders, their life, their life situations. You know, often, uh, so at SeedSpot, we've worked with founders who uh, are, you know, 55 plus, have full families, are the head of the household. They have a lot of responsibilities. They don't want to put the house up because that's their their nest egg for their grandchildren or for their children. And the their responsibilities are very different than being, you know, potentially an individual uh, who's not in a relationship who can live on ramen for a long time. Uh, been there. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> so I can't give you like a this is the the right answer. So a few things that I would definitely point you, you know, in the direction of one: making sure that you have. A operating agreement with you and your founders um, and understanding who you know who's responsible for what and what their roles are in the company because that having that very clearly detailed at the beginning is going to actually help mitigate when you do raise money who gets paid first and why um, and work through those issues and who has the decision-making power because you do have a lot of founders and that like, that can lead to messy decision making um, and so making sure it's very clear and explicitly laid out at the beginning is going to help with that then the the payment piece is generally we give the advice that you want to be able to pay yourself uh, whatever the bare minimum you need in order to meet your like life's obligations. So no Ferraris, no Lamborghinis, uh, no BMWs, no BMWs. <laughs> you know if you're when you raise a round, um, especially for a seed round, it's going to what's gonna move the needle on the business to get the most done generally, Marketing. um, Once you have some product, you know market fit, and you have that traction, um, and then some development.
0: Thank you.
3: Any any other questions for Seifer? All right, and Seifer, where can our listeners find you?
5: Yeah, definitely. So uh, Seedspot, uh, .seedspot www.seedspot.org, and that's S-E-E-D S-P-O-T dot O-R-G. We're on Instagram, Facebook, etc. You can email us directly at contact c-o-n-t-a-c-t at seedspot.org and we're happy to help and we run programs um, across the u.s um, to help founders really launch and scale their business
3: and do you have an ask for our listeners at all
5: if you're an entrepreneur take the step do it get out of the garage get out of the studio apartment Find a program that's going to support your needs. Um, Seedspot, we have several programs, but there's a host of different resources in your community that can fi- that you can find. If you're a potential sponsor or partner um, or a potential mentor, you've been there, done that, raised rounds, cut your teeth as being an entrepreneur or have a deep uh, set of industry expertise, we would love for you to be part of our national mentor network to help founders like uh, and help companies like Vindu.
3: So great, thank you all again. Uh, So today we talked to the founders of Vindu and Sefer Grisham from SeedSpot about the importance of growing a network and connections as an entrepreneur. Sefer reminded us that your network is your net worth. Thomas indicated that he believes having a great network is just as important as having a great team, and he's built a great team so far. But as a founder, especially a bootstrapping founder, It takes a lot of time to build a network. It could be really time-consuming. You've got to weigh your time and make decisions about each meeting. Since Y Combinator launched in 2005, accelerators have continued to be a resource to entrepreneurs. CIFAR reminded us that many entrepreneurs have had to hack their way through the network process. But accelerators like SeedSpot that launched in 2012 provide a structured way to bring top tier mentors, advisors, and surround entrepreneurs with all that they need. And yes, all, it's everything that you need. Access to top tier mentors, access to executives at large companies, and even the opportunity to learn and work and network with other entrepreneurs. They do this with community partners. Partners are the lifeblood of this ecosystem. For every $1 invested in an accelerator, a founder gets $2 of value. I thought that was a great point. Accelerators help founders validate ideas, gain traction, build a narrative around their business, optimize opportunities to provide value for customers, and even understand agreements with founders. And most of all, it helps to build a strong, sustainable network. As Seifer mentioned, and as Thomas and Josh have shown, if you have drive, grit, determination, and coachability, you will be successful. So, Thomas and Josh, keep falling in love with the problem you are solving. We look forward to all of your success in the future. And for our listeners, please go to our website, www.getfoundgetfunded.com. Download our newsletter, and do not miss an upcoming episode of Get Found, Get Funded.